Hey everybody, Tim here with Boozy Bracketology, and we are here to decide yet another round in our best fantasy and sci-fi author bracket. You know, Douglas Adams said that on the planet Earth, man had always assumed he was much more intelligent much more intelligent than dolphins because he had achieved so much. The wheel, New York, wars, and so on. Whilst whilst the dolphins had whilst all the dolphins had ever done was muck around in the water having a good time. But conversely, the dolphins had always believed they were far more intelligent than man for precisely the same reason. Who's right? Who's to say? It's me, I'm to say. It's the dolphins, and now we're gonna meet the panel who's gonna prove me right. First, in Muscatine, Iowa, it's Brian Nash. Brian, how you doing and what you drinking? I am doing fantastic. Uh, we are, this is four weeks in. One, two, three, no, this is uh, six weeks in. Six weeks. Four weeks. I can count. I haven't been drinking yet. Maybe. Um, tonight, I am drinking some more of the wonderful Heisenberg Hefeweizen, from Nerdspeak Brewery in Bettendorf, Iowa, right here close by, because I'm there every week hosting trivia. So since I'm there, I buy their beer because it's delicious. It's good stuff. Well, we are glad to have you next. Down in Texas, we have Stephen. I'm doing all right. Um, I still got Mountain Dew, Zero Sugar, Code Red, and... Uh, Given what happened last time, I went ahead and just popped the cap myself. So I'll just go sit in the corner with nobody else and drink it myself, like my high school days. Well, well now we're all sad. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff in North Carolina, cheer us up. I don't know. I mean, we've all made some really bad decisions over the course of the past few episodes. I have okay, maybe, maybe not you. That's Tim. not true. We all let Jeff make the bracket. Uh, so, but I think we could all use a little bit of redemption. This is true. That was also a bad decision, in fairness. Uh, but we could all use a little bit of redemption. So that's what I'm drinking: the Redemption High Rye Bourbon. Uh, it, quite tasty and quite strong. Because I'm sure you guys are going to piss me off again. So. Uh, Let's all drink to getting angry on a podcast. Just remember, it's better to be pissed off than pissed on. Very true. Sage advice. Wow, we're a depressive group going into the sci-fi bracket. Carmela, can you bring your signature cheer? <laughs> I mean, it's better to rule in hell than to serve in heaven, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello, everyone. Um, I'm Carmela, and uh, because uh, we're, I, I'm still making my way through this. I think this is my last one, um, and I'm sharing with you today from Gainesville, Florida, Swabhead Brewery, Florida Slush. Let's see if I can get a good pop on this one. I'll allow Pretty good. it. Pretty good. Um. I just have to tell them who I am, right? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm one of the hosts of Trivial Warfare. We are a pub trivia style podcast. I am also the host of Foreplay, which is a connection puzzle show that comes out every week. And um, I'm ready to die on some hills. So let's do it. And there are plenty of hills to die on. Finally, in Chicago, Illinois, it's Jay Borsum. Jay, you don't have any opinions, do you? 
no, I'm really just here because it's boozy and I don't care about the bracketology. Uh, so I'm, I'm shocked that you guys let me through onto the sixth episode because I've been flipping coins. Have you not figured that out yet? Uh, okay, now to be fair, I didn't flip coins on everyone. My, my other uh, measuring metric was what would piss Jeff off the most? <laughs> And I that feel tracks. like I'm batting a thousand on that. You're, 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 you're doing real good there, Jay. Oh, the night good. is young, my friend. And we have plenty of rows to hoe. Uh, you know what? In, in honor of uh, everybody else kind of getting a little crazy with it, I'm switching uh, away from the, the, the mead that I drank on last episode. And I'm switching back to All Reliable, the Siesta Key Brewing uh, Spice or the Siesta Key Distillery Spice Rum out of Sarasota, Florida. Uh, must not be taken internally as I read the label. That was a healthy swig. We Damn. have. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself, Jay. Oh, uh, I'm Carmela's friend and I'm Brian's friend. And uh, Steven <laughs> seems nice and Jeff knows me. well then uh we've met our landing crew for the evening let's jump right in in the top of our foundation bracket we've got the number one seed of isaac asimov versus the number nine seed of kurt vonnegut and we're kicking it off in iowa with brian okay so you were wanting to get cheered up i do have my standard cheer that i want to throw out really quick before we start talking and because it's boozy bracketology it it seems appropriate here's to the girl with the little red shoes she loves her nookie she loves her booze she's lost her cherry but that's no sin she's still got the box the cherry came in i learned that none of us are on mute by the way i'm just pointing out (laughs) i i just want to say that i learned that from my grandmother (laughs) may she rest in peace all right anyway Tell a little, give you a little back history, backstory on my family. All right. Isaac Asimov is taking on Kirk Vonnegut. I, uh, it's only going to get harder from here, folks. Uh, I want to love Vonnegut. I have not read Vonnegut yet. I, I've got Slaughterhouse Five on my purchase list. I haven't cracked it open yet. Um, Isaac Asimov is one of the pillars of the science fiction universe. And Vonnegut is a great, but I think Asimov is, is just, just on, just on overall standing. I, I got to go Asimov first. And Asimov picks up our first vote of the night as we head over to Stephen. I really wish you had explored that a little bit so I could think of what the hell I was going to say. Um, <laughs> you know what? It, so I'm just going to go by which one I enjoy reading more. I'm not going to be scientific about it, go completely subjective, and go ahead and give it to Vonnegut. Vonnegut evens the score with the uh, surprisingly succinct vote from Stephen. Jeff, break this tie. So this is a bracket about the best sci-fi fantasy writer. This is not a bracket about the best mutton chops on a sci-fi fantasy writer. Because that vote would go easily to Isaac Asimov. However, I gotta go for the best writer here. 
Which means I have to go for Vonnegut. I would much rather read a Vonnegut book than an Asimov book. Steven's right here. Uh, Vonnegut's a classic. I've read almost everything he's ever written, and it's always a fun-as-hell ride. If you haven't read Vonnegut, Brian, do so immediately. It's worth your while. I intend to. And Asimov is facing an upset down two to one as we turn this over to Carmella. So th- this this half of the bracket, y'all, is is going to be rough. It's going to be rough for a lot of reasons. Um, these are two authors that I love very much, uh, that have stories that I love very much. Um, I love robots. I love the concept of robots. And a lot of what we consider canon for robotics comes from Asimov. Um, Vonnegut, however, is endlessly readable. And for someone who is not really like ingrained in sci-fi and fantasy, you could still give them a Vonnegut book and they're going to have a really good time. You can hand them Slaughterhouse-Five. One, they've probably heard of it. Um, and two, they're going to enjoy it. They're they're relatively quick reads. Uh, you don't have to invest a lot of uh, time and effort in a world and lore like you would have to do with like Foundation. Um, and Cat's Cradle is great. Breakfast Champions is great. Um, just from an approachable standpoint is what I'm going to use as a tiebreaker here. And I'm going to go with Vonnegut. I mean, it hurts, but I'm going to go with Vonnegut. Asimov goes down the number one seed to the number nine, Kurt Vonnegut. Jay, did we fuck this one up or not? I feel like I'm the weakest voice here to make the claim that we fuck this up. But yeah, you fuck this up. It's Isaac Asimov, for Christ's sake, people. <laughs> Kurt Vonnegut. Here, let me let me lay it out for you. Uh, here, here was my worldview on this. Kurt Vonnegut is the superior writer. However, this is not a bracket to me about who is the best writer who has done sci-fi and fantasy. It is the best sci-fi slash fantasy writer. And while Kurt Vonnegut is is a must-read and is one of the the absolute bedrocks of like 20th century uh, English literature, Isaac Asimov put so much science in his fiction he just he hits me in my happy place uh conceptually and i'm not here to tell a a panelist full of experts that they're wrong so instead i'll tell a panelist uh three quarters full of experts that they were wrong it should have been asimov i i do feel that pretty strongly here but fuck me right (laughs) (laughs) what do we know uh Kurt Vonnegut's going to move on here. I'm not quite sure what to make of this, but we're going to move right on. We've got Ray Bradbury, the five seed, against N.K. Jemison, the 13 seed who upset H.P. Lovecraft in the beginning. We are starting this one with Steven. This side of the bracket just sucks way more. Um <laughs> Yeah, uh, fuck, Jemison. I'm going to go ahead and just vote for that. Fuck, no explanation, just random numbered. <laughs> That's how we're doing it today, folks. <laughs> I think this bracket has broken Steven. I, I think we've, I think we've done it. 
At least uh, pretend. But yeah, like, like <laughs> I've been got, bullshitting I've been for broken. six episodes here. We just <laughs> broke Jay in the last round. Last round. <laughs> now we're breaking Steven. Move on. <laughs> Carmela, wow. Brian, come on. You guys oh. got to break soon, right? Okay, N.K. Jemison with the first vote. Jeff, what do you have to say about that? Look, J- Jay actually made an interesting point in her most recent commentary on Isaac Asimov. That fucking good that did. I almost directly disagree with. Like, I am almost exactly on the opposite end of that argument of of Jay that and, and and it concerns whether you have to be a good writer to be a good sci-fi fantasy writer and I think that being a talented writer being someone who is capable of molding words and prose and evoking images and putting forth this sort of poetry in motion that helps you imagine and create these worlds is central to my enjoyment of a fantasy or science fiction world. I I think that, and we're going to see this big time in the next episode when, you know, especially when we have to talk about the Tolkien gaming thing, holy shit. But I think that that's what this comes down to for me, that when I look at Bradbury, a, you know, someone who is a very good world creator, and Jemison also capable at that, but Jemison's the better writer. Bradbury can imagine a lot of things that are central to our sci-fi imaginations. Even nowadays, the Martian Chronicles is a central text to anyone who wants to get into modern sci-fi. It's impressive in what it does. But when you read one of Jemison's books, the way she writes and the way she pulls you in is transformative. And I think that that has to be considered in the ideal of being the best sci-fi and fantasy writer. So I'm going to give my vote to Jemison. Uh, We'll come back to this theme in the next episode for sure probably even later in this episode. But I think Jay's touched on something interesting here that's going to be an argument for the for us for the rest of this whole bracket. And Jemison with a 2 nothing lead, we might have a second upset in a row to start this off. We have Carmella. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, y'all, this side of the bracket, man, I... All right. <laughs> Ray Bradbury is amazing. Uh it's incredibly influential writer. Uh helped shape the sci-fi and fantasy genres into what they are. I think NK Jemison is showing where the genres are going. 
Um, they're both great writers. I think Jemison is an incredible writer. And I said it before, The City We Became is one of the best books I've ever read. Um, and if you haven't read it, it's it's such a, a, an interesting take on Eldritch horror and sci-fi and, and world building. It's, it's amazing. And she's an incredible writer. And I, I'm going to probably make this argument more than once. You know, it, it, you have what shaped the genre and then you have people who are still producing in the genre and shaping where it's going. And Jemison is definitely shaping where the genre is going. And I, some people are probably going to be really mad uh, because Ray Bradbury is not going forward because I am going to vote for N.K. Jemison. And we have led this off with not one, but two upsets. Jay, what's your opinion on this? It This specific matchup, I think more than others that we've talked about uh, in this series, kind of brings to the forefront the, the fundamental question of what is more important uh, as we make these decisions? Is it about legacy? Uh, or as Carmela, you know, kind of touched on in in her brief, uh, is it about, you know, taking the genre in a direction? Um, I'm of the opinion that what we know is stronger than what we suspect we know uh, in a temporal sense. And by that, I mean, we know the legacy that the works of Bray, uh, Ray Bradbury have had on generations uh, and on the genre over the decades, particularly in the Martian Chronicles has been brought up. Uh, Fahrenheit 451, while probably outside the scope of this particular bracket is still uh, something that needs to be brought up in the context of the impact that Ray Bradbury has had on future generations. Um, whereas with N.K. Jemison, we are, we are watching her in real time and it's hard to be objective and it's hard to kind of be scientific in our measurements of, of what her contribution to the genre is as we're living within it. Um, I don't necessarily think that Jemison uh, advancing is the wrong call, but I do think that I have to give my voice uh, to the works of Ray Bradbury, even if it's uh, pissing in the wind on this one. And pissing into the wind, you are, it is three, one, N.K. Jemison's already moving on, but we still want to know if Brian thinks we got this one right. I can't be unhappy that my homegirl, N.K. Jemison from Iowa City, Iowa, is moving on. Um, but I'm with Jay that Ray Bradbury was one of those authors who was a pioneer in the genre. There's a lot of science in his fiction. And uh, along with Asimov, I, I, I would have I, I would have considered a buzzer beater for Asimov because the guy I, I don't know that we got that one right, but the panel has spoken. Um, uh, Bradbury gets my vote here uh, because of the because of the that body of work that he did and just, so many interesting concepts and that just, it's such intelligent writing that I, yeah, I, I would have definitely gone hard for Bray, Bray Bradbury here, but um, at least it turned out to be a close match. I do love that 
the the words you know scientific way to look at it is what's being <laughs> thrown out here for how we picked <laughs> any of this bullshit. <laughs> yeah, that, <laughs> I'm like, come I on, guys. Know, I don't know what episodes you've been listening to. <laughs> yeah, right. This the seating here was all done based on vibes, guys. Let's uh, <laughs> look. We're we have... vibes and alcohol. That's what this show runs on. <laughs> We've now right. listened. What? 42 of these over the series and i have used i think 42 different criteria as we've gone i just i was like i had to like restrain myself from laughing fully into the microphone i mean like like, scientific huh (laughs) i was about to shout like yo okay okay legacy versus potential in the future atwood versus weir motherfucker come on Well, Tribe has spoken on that one, Woodhead. What's from? N.K. Jemison <laughs> is going to move on to face Kurt Vonnegut in the Sweet 16. Oh we're, moving, we're moving to our third matchup of the night. Uh, the 11th seed, Michael Crichton versus the 3 seed, Margaret Atwood. Oh, wait. Oh. I'm sorry. Oh. It's the 14 seed, Andy Weir. And who better to start this matchup off than Jeff Woodhead? <laughs> Yeah, th- this is how I know you didn't use a randomizer, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I yeah, look, look, look I, I, I have to give my vote here to the, the clear best author of this matchup. It has to be Margaret Atwood here. <laughs> I mean, you have to give it to Margaret Atwood here because, again, she is... One of the greatest writers ever to grace the English language. He's had this written out for a week. And you fucking heathens <laughs> didn't even move her on to the second round. <laughs> Jay, Brian, you voiced some uh, offense over our choice of Vonnegut over Asimov. I hope you feel a little bit of the pain that I feel over your idiotic choice (laughs) of a guy who's written three books three over one of the masters of not only the genre but of the entire concept of writing in English but you know what if Andy Weir's gonna take out my homegirl Margaret Atwood I'm not letting him go out like a fucking chump I give him my vote. And Andy, where gets that first vote? Carmella, and Hogan is the third man. Holy hell. <laughs> <laughs> In comes Andy Weir with a steel chair. I'm just like. <laughs> I'm get a beer after this, Jeff. <laughs> As one of the people who voted for Andy Weir in the last round, I understand the ire in which uh, the, the Jeff was speaking with. Um, I, it's my same argument. I need I need some joy in my life at this stage of where I'm where I'm sitting at currently. I need some joy, um, and Andy Weir brings that brings that to me. Michael Crichton also brings me joy. Um, Jurassic Park has brought me a lot of joy. However, Andy Weir has way better science in his books than a lot of the hand wavy stuff that Michael Crichton did. Um, and I, I said it the last time we talked about Andy Weir. I read The Martian every year without fail since the book came out. Um, and every time I am just so not myself and I'm like, I haven't read, um, I turn to two things. I turn to a Neil Gaiman book or I turn to the Martian and it picks me right back up. 
Um, and I'm going to vote for Andy Weir here. And the number 14 seed Andy Weir has Michael Crichton up against the ropes. Jay, will they, uh, will they slam the door? You have given me an <laughs> unbelievable power. amount of power in the one place in this entire exercise that I desperately wanted the power. Uh, going into this recording, and, and I talked to my family about it uh, after dinner and, and as we were coming home uh, to do this recording, I, I told them, I'm like, you know, I made my case for Andy Weir. I politicked to get him on to the, the show in the first place. And uh, in a surprising upset, he made it to this next round. But now he's facing Michael Crichton. And, and my sons looked at me and said, what does that mean? And I said, he wrote Jurassic Park. Uh, and they, they got sad because they knew my heart was about to be broken. Because they knew what I thought I knew and that this was going to be a sentimental four to one victory for Michael Crichton. But you beautiful monsters have given me the greatest gift in boozy bracketology history. And now I have to decide if it is right for me to put my thumb on this scale for who is currently my favorite author in the genre or do I do what I think might be more objectively, arguably defensible and give the nod uh, to somebody who had a multi-decade uh, career writing books that I have loved in my life? But I can't leave this up to fate. Uh, I, I refuse not to take my shot here. Andy Weir is moving on. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't be happier about it. Jeff, you are my favorite person in the world. I take back everything I said about you. <laughs> and Andy Weir has a 3-0 victory. As we want to know, Brian, was this the right move? This was this was a tough coin flip for me. Um, <laughs> yes, Weir only has three novels so far. We know more are coming. Um, but for a for a first novel, The Martian absolutely hit it out of the park. Um, and Carmela, it's it's the I, I I love that you read that regularly and that it lifts your spirits because it's it it's a novel about hope and of that that spirit of I will not give up. I'm going to keep fighting because I will beat this. And he manages to do it intelligently. Um, I, I, I fought hard for Crichton to make it through uh, towards the tail end. Crichton kind of uh, the, the older Crichton got the, the, the worse he got. Um, he wrote some great stuff. No question. The science of his science fiction doesn't really hold up real well, but he can write a very gripping page turner of a tale. Um, but so can Andy Weir. And he very definitely proved that I, I'm not unhappy. I'm not unhappy that Andy Weir is moving on. Uh, I will, I will give Andy Weir the nod over Crichton. And let's see if we can sweep this sucker. And Andy Weir with the 4 nothing lead 
Finally, Steven, is this a sweep? Well, initially, I was going to cast my vote for Mr. Crichton, but after hearing the passion and the pure fervor in Jeff's voice, he he has convinced me to vote for Andy Ware, not just now, but perhaps through the entire bracket. So just, just going along with the love <laughs> Jeff clearly has for one Mr. Andy Ware, I, I have to vote for it to give it a sweep. <laughs> It's a Cinderella story. <laughs> a Cinderella story 17th, it is. The 14 seed Andy Weir moves on and awaiting him is the winner of the number seven seed Arthur C. Clarke against the number two seed Philip K. Dick. We get this one started with Carmella. This one is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> for me it might not be hard for y'all but it's hard for me um one of the arguments i've had in my head since uh since coming into this is like just because it's old doesn't make it better but both of these guys are old um <laughs> so <laughs> um I, I i love both of these authors very much um i i told you guys my favorite quote is actually an arthur c Clarke quote um but if I'm looking at what am I going to reread, um, what has had more, what has given me more joy? Like I said, I just I need some fucking joy in my life. Um, I, I got to go with Philip K. Dick here. Um, you know, just rereading some of his stuff, and um, I, I think he is endlessly readable um, and still relevant. And um, even though. Um, Meeting with Medusa did did give me a laugh because he said the word simps decades <laughs> out of context. Had no idea what that word would come to mean. Uh, he meant super chimp. Uh, that's not what simp means now, but <laughs> but but God love him. Uh, he had no idea. But yeah, I'm going to go with Philip K. Dick here. Philip K. Dick picks up that first vote as we head to Jay. I mean, ugh. Here's I I'm I'm absolutely torn between the two because they're they're two juggernauts uh, in in the genres of of science fiction. Um, I I don't have anything particularly uh, pithy to say. I don't have any huge uh, you know game breaking insight here. But you know what? Uh, we've had some chaos. Let's continue to have some chaos. Uh, so there's there's the concept of the big three in science fiction, and that would be uh, Isaac Asimov, Arthur C. Clarke, and Robert Heinlein. We've already bounced Asimov. Fuck it, Philip K. Dick gets my vote. Let's let's see how much we can continue to screw the foundations here. <laughs> I have plans. <laughs> <laughs> I could not end this episode any happier. Uh, no matter how well anything goes beyond this, like. I'm at the I'm at the the pinnacle of the mountain. So the chaos reigns. Uh, yeah, my vote's going to tick. Uh, and you know what? We'll say because he has the funnier name. Why not? Uh, I'm a fan of Dick. I gotta say. Uh, you know what? I I am familiar uh, with with Dicks and uh, Philip. Pretty good Dick. <laughs> Dick well, often creates chaos. So okay. Jay voting for the pretty good Dick. Uh, who we at now? Brian. Brian, Brian, what do you got to say? I I think you got this one right, actually. Because Arthur C. Clarke, uh, yes, he has, he's old school. 
he has a huge bibliography and he did some great stuff. Um, but, uh, one of my favorite stories as a, a, one of the, uh, formative short, uh, uh, science fiction stories that I read over and over and over was do androids dream of electric sheep. Um, Blade Runner is great. Uh, the short, uh, uh, the novel's not very long, but the, the movie never touched on the religion aspect and it never touched on mercerism, which was absolutely fascinating to me that that concept and how it was described and the, just the whole thing. Um, so I uh, joyously give my vote to Philip K. Dick. And with that vote, some semblance of chalk is restored to this quadrant of the bracket. We still want to know, Jeff, did we get this one right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think some modicum of accessibility is important and Clark can trend towards the impenetrable at times. Uh, Okay, there are too many directions to go here and I'm not going to go with any of them, but uh, I feel like Philip is a little bit more accessible in some ways and a little bit more interesting. So we're going to hold off on the obvious puns here, maybe for the next round. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, we, we got it right. Jeff saying that Dick is the right choice. <laughs> and I think that leaves us with Carmela to vote here. I voted... Oh, I skipped Stephen. For the second episode in a row, you skipped me over. I'm beginning to take it personally. (laughs) He's the only black box on the screen. (laughs) When when you operate in dark mode and you're nothing but a black box, (laughs) it's easy to forget that you're there. Also, you've had twelve seconds of airtime all our time. Don't go on camera during these things, so you people won't notice when I'm stalking you in the streets. Okay, look, it's for your own good. You'll never be, yeah, creepy. I do it for you. I want you to be able to walk comfortably from your car to your house and back without knowing you're being observed. So you're welcome. First of all, second of all, my vote goes. Somehow, this is not better. Wait, how are you in Florida, Iowa, Chicago, and North Carolina all at once? I suddenly need an adult. Science fiction, Jeff. <laughs> Big Brother, Skynet, he's got it all. Anyway, Stephen, what do you have to say? First of all, I'm upset you doubt my powers. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and vote for Philip K. Dick because he's just much more interesting prose and actually knows how to write dialogue. So, yeah, give me the dick. And Dick gets the clean sweep. That wraps up the Foundation Quadrant. Hey, trivia lovers. Want to get the pub trivia experience in an interactive way? Check out Liquid Courage Entertainment. With a wide range of offerings online, LK has you covered. Streaming a wide variety of trivia games on Twitch with one-of-a-kind formats like Tringo, Guestimate, Mega Sheep, and more. Or check out the World Trivia Federation 
With 36 hours to answer each quiz and no obligation, the WTF is the perfect solution to scratch that trivia itch on your own time. Come see us at twitch.tv slash liquid underscore courage or check out patreon.com slash liquid courage to join the WTF for as little as $2 a month. That's liquid courage with a K. Innovative. Interactive. Intoxicating. We're moving down to the heart of gold. Can we rename that bracket, by the way, to the Martian quadrant at this point? (laughs) (laughs) Well, since the highest seed left is Philip K. Dick, I mean, I kind of feel like it should be like the electric sheep quadrant or something. I don't know. (laughs) The high castle? (laughs) High castle (laughs) quadrant. I mean, yeah. Either that or the whale room. Well, we could debate that. We could debate. Oh that yeah, well, I mean, we the, the, the the bottom left would have to be renamed to the I don't know. Uh, Anything don't know that's f- not Gryffindor. Oh, I'm I'm <laughs> super okay with that. Quadrant. The uh, uh-huh. um, what's uh, what's that town in Maine that Stephen King said oh, all Castle Rock or Castle Rock or Derry? Rock or Derry. There you go. That's actually <laughs> kind of badass. The Castle Rock Quadrant. <laughs> anyway, we could debate that offline. In the heart of gold quadrant, we have the number one seed, Douglas Adams, against the number eight seed, William Gibson. And we're starting this one in Chicago with Jay. So usually when you throw to me uh, to provide some context in my vote, what I have here on my big screen is a pair of uh, windows that are tuned up to Wikipedia so I can talk about uh, these authors without sounding like a damn fool. Uh, so I can make, you know, kind of rational and, and, and well thought out uh, discerning opinions and, and ultimately decide who's going to go on uh, based on at least a minimum of knowledge. Uh, but in this case, it's fucking Douglas Adams. And I don't know that I need to defend that. It's Douglas Adams. Neuromancer, sure, cool, whatever. Douglas Adams gets my vote and will probably continue to as we move on. Douglas Adams gets that one no lead. Brian, what's your vote? God, this is hard. I love Douglas Adams. I love the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Um, but I also love Neuromancer. Uh, honestly, between those two books, the one I have read way more is Neuromancer. Uh, William Gibson has a way with, I, I, okay. Douglas Adams has a, a wit and a, a style of writing that is so British dry wit and it's wonderful and it's great. And it's one of three on this list that we're going to talk about like that, I think. Um, but I think I'm going to probably be giving a pity vote to William Gibson because uh, that that is one of my favorite novels. I, I mean, just the, the cyberpunk genre, cyberpunk genre um, Neuromancer, and um, I'm blanking on the others. Uh, I, I read several books in that series, but Neuromancer was one of those seminal novels that just... It, it defined cyberpunk for me and it was so damn good. Um, so I'm actually going to give my vote to, to William Gibson, but I think I'll be the only one. So I just wanted to make sure that he gets that representation. 
You'd be surprised. Brian <laughs> thinking he can predict the future brings it to a 1-1 tie. Steven, I didn't forget you this time. What do you got here? Goddamn right you didn't. Uh, okay, um, I think I've said it before. I'm just not a <laughs> huge fan of cyberpunk. I, I think it's kind of a... It's just not an aesthetically pleasing genre to me. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because I think my first introduction to it was like the the Marvel 2099 universe, which were a bunch of terrible comics set in the not-too-distant future. Um, So maybe that's what's coloring my mind towards it. Uh, But I I just could never get into it, despite my my fond place of Johnny Mnemonic, which I spoke of before. so in all good conscience, I can't, I can't vote for that, and it wouldn't matter anyway because Douglas Adams remains a fantastic author, a fantastic satirist, and really good at science fiction. I mean, when you think about things like the Improbability Drive, that's just really good science fiction. Talking about multiple universes and the way we resolve it, that it's really smart. And I don't know why more people don't use that and think out of the box like that, um, because that's what science fiction is for. So, Douglas Adams. Douglas Adams is one vote away from moving on to the next round. Jeff, it, will will he do it? Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, I was afraid you were going to punt it. <laughs> no, I'm not punting it. This is this is an obvious one for me. I, Brian, I don't think you have to be ashamed of casting what you call a pity vote, but it is honest to God an earnest vote for William Gibson. The man did invent an entire subgenre of science fiction and you know we should give him a little mini round of applause for that but what steven said is absolutely true the douglas adams manages to be laugh out loud funny and innovative within the genre at the same time it, and you yeah, discussed this before in this bracket. Humor is hard. Uh, it, those who defended Robert Asprin in honestly a battle, I feel like maybe looking back on, maybe he possibly, maybe sort of possibly should have won it, against Madeline Langle. Humor is hard. And those who can pull it off effectively are valuable. Those who can pull it off effectively while still both hewing to the tropes of science fiction and moving those tropes in an interesting and fascinating direction. Yeah, there's a reason why Douglas Adams is a one seed here. And yeah, let's move him on. And move him on, we will, but not without hearing Carmilla's opinion on the matter. Neuromance is great. Cyberpunk is great as a subgenre. Uh it's it's definitely one of my favorites as a subgenre. Um look, I know a lot of people don't like it when women are confident in their skills and humor, but I'm fucking funny. All right. <laughs> and great sister. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm you know, we're five episodes in and <laughs> six episodes in at this point, uh not disagreeing. <laughs> and God, I love it when people are funny. Um, and Douglas Adams has been a huge influence on my my life, uh, including even my own personal writing. Um, I've, I think I mentioned this before. I have read or consumed Hitchhikers in every form 
that it has come out in the original radio play, the miniseries, the movies, the books. I mean, I've got I've got them sitting right over there in this in my shelf. I've read them so many times. I just I love Douglas Adams so much. William Gibson absolutely deserves all the accolades in the world. Definitely deserves nods. Um, Neuromancer is great, uh, but I, I, for me, it's always going to be Douglas Adams. So I we we got this one right. I too also have the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy set. Yeah, right, there we right go. over there, <laughs> and somewhere I have the sixth book that Ian Colfer wrote. <laughs> um, really? Yeah, he wrote a sixth one in the series. The guy who did the uh, I can't think Artemis Fowl books. Mm-hmm. Any good? I haven't read it, but I have it. Okay. <laughs> if I weren't right, on well, wired headphones right now, I'd go grab my illustrated version of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, shit. All now. right. My, <laughs> mine is one of those that it looks like the Bible. It's like black leather bound. It's got the gold edges on the really fine paper. That's what oh, I've got yeah. for Hitchhikers. Nice. The, right. the, the I, book on this bracket that I have within arm's reach on the shelf is the Hitchhiker's hey, Guide. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> None of us forgot our it, towels. You know, we're nope, we're good. No, we're prepared. Well, the question is, Brian, does prepared. it say "Don't panic" in large, friendly letters on the cover? <laughs> uh, this copy does not. Oh, it no, is the complete and unabridged, though. Uh, all right. Yeah. All fair, right. Fair, fair. On that note, we're moving on to our fifth match, or yeah, sixth matchup of the night. It's the five seed H.G. Wells against the four seed Octavia Butler. And we are kicking this one off with Brian. Okay. Uh, This is going right back into the discussion from earlier, maybe from a previous bracket or previous episode with the old school versus where we're going from here. Um, Octavia Butler. I, her name has been coming up a lot, lot, lot lately. And she is on my short list of authors who I need to read, but I have not read anything of hers yet. Um, But I have read the crap out of some H.G. Wells, Time Machine, War of the Worlds, The Invisible Man, The Island of Dr. Moreau. I just so many iconic classic stories. Um, I, this is going to be another tough decision, but for me, I, I'm going old school. I'm going H.G. Wells. H.G. Wells with that first vote. Steven. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I think despite... See, I'm having a problem because a lot of good points were just made that I hadn't considered before. Um, no, ultimately, I, I'm going to fall back on Wells here. And and the reason is, is because he, he really is, as much as you... Jules Verne and uh, Mary Shelley contributed to it. H.G. Wells is the inventor of science fiction for all intents and purposes. Uh, And there's a reason why he was able to get this whole new genre to catch on like wildfire the way he did, because he's really, really good at writing. I don't know if that secret's gotten out yet, Um, but he writes in such a way that really is captivating that even though he's dealing with these, these concepts that are now just such part of our everyday zeitgeist that we don't even think about them. They're not novel in any way anymore. Uh, when you read his versions of these stories, uh, even the something as simple as the invisible man, it still captivates you. And um, 
I, I, I just think he's a really great author, so I'm going to go with Wells. H.G. Wells with the 2 nothing lead. Jeff, will that be enough? This was what I thought was the hardest decision on this side of the bracket. And this side of the bracket had some tough decisions. And then I thought about it some more and was like, well, actually, this is kind of easy for me because, yes, everything Stephen said is totally right. H.G. Wells is an excellent writer and incredibly imaginative and all of his stuff is well rendered and Octavia Butler is just so much better. Like, and I think I mentioned the last one I was starting Willis Brood, uh, the Willis Brood trilogy on the the beginning of that. Obviously, I'm further along now than I was then. It's still just deeply engaging and absorbing in a way that Wells, even though he is absorbing and he is talented at spinning a good phrase in a way that not a lot of his contemporaries were. Butler does it better. And I'm not a legacy guy. I'm sorry. I have to go for who I think is the better writer. And I have to go for Butler. Butler's not going down without a fight. Carmella, it's two to one in favor of Wells. How do you cast your vote? Oh, we're going to make this interesting, aren't we? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I disagree with the assertion that uh, H.G. Wells invented sci-fi. Um, he definitely shaped sci-fi, but I don't. I disagree with the notion that he invented it because he didn't. Uh, that he just he didn't. Um, I understand the opinion. I just I disagree with it. But anyway, um, H.G. Wells has some great stories. He created some great worlds, definitely popularized the genre. Um, I'm going to make this argument again, just because it's older doesn't make it better. Um, Octavia Butler, people are still discovering Octavia Butler. Um, I think for good reason. Uh, Wild Seed is a book that really gave me a lot to think about in regards to bodily autonomy. Um, which is something that I have to think about a lot uh, in our current era. Um, and she is, I, I think, a better writer. And I think people are discovering her more and more. Um, and I think that's good. And I think, again, we don't get to N.K. Jemison without Octavia Butler. Um, and I'm going to vote for Octavia Butler here. So... Sorry, Jay. <laughs> and Octavia Butler pulls it even at two votes apiece, which means we have a chance to lodge buzzer beaters. And there's only two more opportunities to lodge a buzzer beater after this in this round. So does anybody want to use that opportunity on Octavia Butler versus H.G. Wells? I am remarkably easy to swing, so take your shots. I kind of feel like you and I are on such different pages the i have a hard time believing that any buzzer beater i launched shoot your shot jeff i'm i'm right down the line right now i'm not even kidding this isn't a bit 
All right, Jeff, uh, yeah, are you going to lodge it? Sure, why the fuck not? Because right, I don't away. care about the other two. Uh, look, I think there is a, a difference to me in how well rendered a world is. And when you're Wells and you're writing in this kind of novella short story genre, you, you're really not putting as much forward into world building, into absorbing someone into a universe as you are if you're Butler and you're taking two or three books at a time like you are with Earthseed or like you are with Lilith's Brood. And you're really putting someone into this, you know, what if I were there? What if I were in, in this situation? And that, I, I think there's, you know, we've talked a little bit about how science fiction is, is used as a mirror to view humanity through and to, 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 to step back and look at ourselves through. And I think Butler does that so much better than Wells does. Butler's books are so much more interesting in terms of what they say about us as humanity and as a culture than, than, than Wells's are. And, and that's why I think you should go with it. All right, Jay. The buzzer beater has been lodged. How do you cast your vote? This is such a difficult and weighty decision because on the one hand you have uh, a man who, you know, and I do disagree with the notion that he invented science fiction, but damned if he isn't synonymous with the concept of science fiction uh, in its early days, some of the best known stories in all of sci-fi came from HG Wells. I mean, there, there isn't a person within uh, within certain parameters, there isn't a person today who's not familiar with the concept of the time machine or the invisible man, because they are, they're things that have permeated through the zeitgeist for well uh, over a hundred years at this point. And to have to compare that to somebody who is a modern, undeniable legend in the genre, uh, somebody who has taken the steps that HG Wells and his ilk kind of took to, popularize the genre and then taken that in their own directions and with their own spins and in ways that don't focus on the science as much as they focus on the humanity you can express within science fiction. This is incredibly hard. Uh, I don't think there's a wrong answer here, but if I am forced to make a right answer, I'm going to adhere to my friends, Jeff and Carmela and vote for Octavia Butler. And Octavia Butler pulls out the win against HG Wells in a three to two vote. She goes on to face Douglas Adams in the sweet 16. Oh boy. We have two more picks to make tonight. The number 11 seed, Andre Norton, versus the number 3 seed, Ursula K. Le Guin. And this one we come right back to Stephen for. Uh, I want to express my apologies right now to Andre Norton. Uh, 
very, very good author. Writes very, very good books. I like Witch World. It's a good series. Um, but you came up against Ursi, so uh, sucks to be you. Uh, Ursula K. Le Guin gets the vote. Ursula K. Le Guin does get the vote. Jeff, is that the right choice? Yeah, look, Andre Norton's only here because we all hate Orson Scott Card. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Ursula K. Le Guin, obviously the uh, the the winner here. Too many legendary works, too much interesting writing, too much imagination for one person, even. I don't even think it's fucking fair. Why does she get all the uh, talent? God damn it. Le Guin, come on, folks, move her on. And Le Guin with a 2 nothing lead as we come over to Carmella. Um... I know that Andre Norton means a lot personally to someone else on this panel. Um, and, and that's, so it's not the only Sorry, reason Ryan. why she's here. <laughs> um, she's not only here to spite Orson Scott Card, although that is a worthy cause in my opinion. <laughs> um, I also have Ursula K. Le Guin's book on writing as well. Um, and it's also very good. <laughs> um, Actually, at at Brian's um, vehement recommendation, I've started to put some Andre Norton on my TBR. Um, so I'm going to start reading some like Witch World and stuff like that because it sounded super interesting. So thank you, Brian, from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate that. That being said, um, some of the work that she did for gender, like in Left Hand of Darkness, um, is amazing, and it, it's you don't get a lot of that in sci-fi. Um, you don't get as much as I think you should. Um, it should play a lot more. And I, I just enjoy Ursula K. Le Guin immensely. And I am going to vote for her. And with apologies to Brian, because I know how much Andre Norton means to you. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> and Brian's going to get his chance to strike back at the end of this round. But we want to hear from Jay. Did we get this one right? I, I think we did in all sincerity. But I do want to take some time and, and kind of disabuse some some notions that were maybe, you know, quickly and flippantly put out uh, earlier in this. Andre Norton is a stellar author, especially uh, oh, yeah, in, of in I feel like there was some dismissiveness in the context of, sure, you're good, but Ursula is Ursula. And I think there are plenty of, of uh, round of 32 matches where Andre Norton not only puts up a stronger fight and has a stronger case, but in many cases straight up wins. And I don't think it's a hard uh, call to make there. I mean, she's the first woman uh, to have done so many things accolade wise in the context of sci-fi, the first woman to be in the sci-fi and fantasy hall of fame. And that is well-deserved and it needs to be acknowledged. But at the same time, uh, she's going up against an author whose legacy has given us people like Neil Gaiman, who who directly cites her as an inspiration. And if you are the person Neil Gaiman looks up to as an author, boy, do you deserve to be in the Sweet 16. My vote's going to go to Ursula, but I do want it to be mentioned that Andre Norton deserved uh, more than a dis dismissive, quick little, well, sorry for you. Uh, and I'm sure Brian will take the next minute and, and kind of expand on that uh, in a losing effort. Brian, it's 4-0, so it doesn't really matter. But, you know, send Andre Norton off with a, a well, 
deserved honor. Well, fuck. <laughs> um, yeah, I I championed. I, I I was the person who got Andre Norton even on this bracket because yep. she is legitimately she was titled the Grand Dame of science fiction because before her there were only Grand Masters there were no women on that list she was the first she's written over a hundred and fifty science fiction novels she wrote some phenomenal stuff which world is her probably her best known but she wrote so many good things there's the the uh the star rangers there is quag keep which was the first novel written about the world of Greyhawk, and it was a very early uh example of isekai 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 i don't i'm not sure how to pronounce that one that the the people from this world getting thrown into a fantasy world genre in in uh, that particular style of fantasy fiction. Um, yeah, my my mom and I share a love of this woman's writing. My mom legitimately has every single novel she ever wrote, and. Uh, she also, speaking of the nonfiction stuff, uh, she did get back to it there. Nonfiction, uh, feminist Pied Piper in science fiction was Andre Norton. Um, I, I would have happily argued hard for her, but it's too little too late. So, um, Sorry, Mom, I did what I could, but Andre Norton gets my vote. And we say goodbye to Andre Norton, who is one of the only, if not the only person on this bracket who actually has an award named after her. Uh, I didn't fact check that. Don't don't quote me, but I did notice that she does. (laughs) What's that? One of the guys in the next one also has an award named after her. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, there, there was a whole. Oh point yeah, we hey, do awards. I said there. let's talk about this. I said I one of. It wasn't necessarily a good point, but a point was made. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I said one, one of. One of the few ten or so, but okay. you know. All right, hey, you know, Andrew Norton's right. on my uh, on my reading list now. Thank yes. you, Brian. Yeah, I, I think one of those uh, matchups where they both deserve to serve, but to... nobody can. And, and, yeah. and yep. seriously, Brian hearing about hearing you talk about her last week i was like oh well i obviously have to read her so (laughs) we are on to our final matchup of the night it is the number 10 seed larry niven against the number two seed robert a heinlein and we are starting this one with jeff yeah this is an interesting one for me because every time i've attempted to read heinlein i've just kind of never been able to get into it i I, i'm I'm not sure what it is i I don't know what it is about heinlein's writing style that just repels me but something does and by the same token niven draws me in that 
when I see a one of Niven's books floating around among my father's old science fiction collection, I think, uh, should I really read this? And then I start reading it, and then I keep reading it, and then I keep reading it, and I keep reading it. It's the exact opposite. It's as if there's two sides of a magnet in this matchup, and I'm repelled from one side and attracted to the other. So... Do I vote for the one that I'm repelled from because he's clearly the more influential and the more well-regarded author? Or do I go with the one that I'm drawn to, even though even a lot of people listening to this podcast probably haven't heard of? I kind of feel like I have to just kind of go with the flow and go where I'm drawn. And so Larry Niven's going to get my vote. Yeah, sure. Is it going to be 4-1? I don't know. Probably. But I'll throw my vote Niven's way and see how this ends up. And Jeff throws his vote Niven's way as we head over to Carmella. So I'm still kind of upset about Scalzi. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So here's the thing. Reading Heinlein uh, as someone uh, uh, of a woman persuasion is very difficult. Um, I understand. And this is, again, where we go, like, just because it's old doesn't mean it's better. Um, I, I understand that Heinlein was a product of his time. However, he championed himself as someone who was very progressive. And yeah, sure, in Stranger in Strangeland, all the women are liberated. But if your only purpose is to serve Valentine, how liberated are you really? Um, so reading Heinlein as a woman is actually very difficult because there's a lot of sexism and uh, getting into misogyny baked into the into the into the words. Um, and it makes it very difficult. I, I don't begrudge people's nostalgia for him. I get it. He's not for me. And he uh, and a lot of the women that I know that read sci-fi, we just kind of have to deal with that. A lot of things that we love don't love us back. Um, Ringworld seems really cool. Um, I, I've started to, to look into that series. Um, and it seems like that's up my alley. I, I can't vote for Heinlein. Uh, and it's not just because I'm bitter about Scalzi. It's just because whenever I read it, I don't feel good. Um, so I'm going to vote for Niven here. We have an upset brewing to end this night. As Larry Niven has two votes and Robert Heinlein has none. Jay, what type of chaos have we thrown your way? Well, if you remember from the last time we brought Heinlein into the discussion, uh, and as Carmela alluded, it was uh, against John Scalzi. And I was a pretty vocal voice towards advancing Robert Heinlein, uh, going so far as to point out that John Scalzi has won the Robert Heinlein Award. Um, so there's there's a lot of weight. There's a lot of gravitas 
towards the value of the legacy of, of Heinlein here with, with works as have been mentioned uh, a couple times, like Stranger in a Strange Land and you know Starship, uh, Starship Troopers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Whereas I'm really personally just not as aware of the value of Ringworld outside the context that people I think I want to listen to regularly tell me I'm wrong for not having read Ringworld. Uh, but what you may not necessarily remember is that I used my buzzer beater uh, in that previous discussion because I immediately realized the error of my ways and I tried so very hard uh, to sway the conversation so that we didn't have to talk about uh, Robert Heinlein in this round. Uh, too little, too late, unfortunately, but it's not a mistake I'm going to make twice. Um, we've already killed off Asimov. We've already killed off Clark. Let's take the third of the old gods down. And my vote goes for uh, for Larry Niven here. Damn. And Larry Niven, the uh, 10 seed, takes down number two, Robert A. Heinlein. Brian, what do you have to say here? So, after the last uh, recording, uh, talking to my friend at work about what we talked about here. And we went through pretty much everything that we talked about. And, uh, my friend informed me that I was woefully wrong about a couple of things. One of which was that I really should have voted for Margaret Atwood. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this is absolutely fucking true. It's Andy Weir's world, and we're living in it now, baby. Yes, we are. <laughs> However, there was nothing I could do about that one. Um, how? But there is something I can do about this one, because he reminded me of a couple of things that I had forgotten. Um, well, number one, I, I never read, I, I don't think I ever read uh, Farnham's Freehold, which is a Robert Heinlein novel. Um, one of the things that we brought that, that came to came into the conversation was... Heinlein seems to have or had had a little bit of a fixation with uh, the electric complex, which is which was a little squicky. And then he reminded me about Farnham Farnham's Freehold, the novel in which they had to basically start over from scratch with one family. With it was one family with a father and a mother and two adult daughters and their black manservant. The two daughters had a conversation where they had to decide, okay, are we going to um, repopulate with the man with the black manservant, or are we going to repopulate with our own father? They chose their own father. And had I had I been Yikes. aware of this, I would have very vehemently not voted for Robert Heinlein. His young adult stuff was great, which is what I remembered. Um, Robert Heinlein needs to get thrown to the bottom of the pile. So, most definitely, Larry Niven gets the vote. And Larry Niven with a 4 nothing lead. Our last vote of the evening and of the round goes to Stephen. Uh, yes, kind of still tough for me, because as I said before, I only know the one work by Niven um, that we discussed in detail last time. 
and I, I've you know I've read Stranger in a Strange Land. I enjoyed it. It Heinland was a very enjoyable read, at least for that one. Um, but we've come across this a few times where society has moved on and the author hasn't because the author is frozen in time. So you have to ask yourself, because uh, he's dead, is there anything in Heinland so important and so unique that we have to preserve it? That it's worth just like accepting it as it is and trying to move on. And he's very good, but I don't think he's good enough to excuse the problems that he does have. Uh, so for in this instance, I'm still going to go ahead and vote for Man of Steel, Woman of Kleenex. <laughs> and that brings our round to a close. Larry Niven is moving on to the Sweet 16. We have that round locked in in our fi- fantasy and sci-fi author bracket. A quick look at what our panel has wrought and what awaits them in the next round. We have J.R.R. Tolkien against Neil Gaiman, Philip Pullman against Mary Shelley, Shirley Jackson against Lewis Carroll, Terry Pratchett faces Stephen King, Kurt Vonnegut against N.K. Jemison, Andy Weir against Philip K. Dick, Douglas Adams and Octavia Butler square off, And finally, Ursula K. Le Guin against Larry Nevin. How did we do? Where should we go from here? Tell us on Instagram, at Boozy Bracketology, at Boozy Brackets on Twitter. Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash P-T-E-B-B. Every dollar you donate goes right back to making this a great podcast. But if you can't, we understand times are tough, but you can still share and subscribe to this podcast and leave us a five-star review to give us some support. Want to get in on the conversation? Head to ptebb.com slash discord to join our discord channel where we have fantastic conversation every single day. For Boozy Bracketology, I've been Tim. I've been Brian. I've been Stephen. I've been Jeff. I'm Carmella. And I'm Jay. Have a good week and we'll see you next time. <laughs>